I never liked a girl well enough to give her 12 sharp knives. Well, I'm sure Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples. Welcome to What the Dickens, a sub-podcast of avant-garde where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that inimitable Boz himself, Charles Dickens. My name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he-him pronouns. And my name is Megan Charlo, and I use she-her pronouns. And it is that special time of year. Do you hear the jingle jangle bells, Megan? No, because it's like 65 degrees in Chicago. It is 65 degrees, and yet the capitalist Christian supremacy over our society continues unabated. It's Christmas time, folks. We are isolating other cultures, religions, and traditions this time of year. And boy howdy, I couldn't be happier, folks. Not about that thing, I just like Christmas. So, because of Christmas, one week a year we celebrate another aspect of adaptation. Another one besides Shakespeare that permeates itself throughout our culture. That is, of course adaptations of Charles Dickens' seminal work, A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens, is a novella originally published December 19th of 1843 about a miserly man named Ebenezer Scrooge, who's visited by ghosts that change his views on charity and Christmas. There have been many adaptations of this work, and... That's why I've allowed Marquez to have us devote one episode a year to it. And as we say, if Megan allows it, so goes the Marquez. Charles Dickens is a Victorian novelist known for his works, Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, and A Tale of Two Cities, which was named Time's Book of the Year for If You Start Reading It, You're Gonna Fall Asleep. <laughs> If you can prove that you have read Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, I will give you one human dollar. Ooh. Last year, I gave one fact about Charles Dickens, my goal being that after several years of doing this podcast, we will have a comprehensive view of Charles Dickens. This will take 15 years, (laughs) but we will one day have 15 facts about Charles Dickens. Chucky Dick fact number one from last year. He was born into little means and was forced to work in a factory instead of going to school because his father was in debtor's prison. Chucky Dick fact number two. As an assistant clerk at a young age, Charles Dickens went to the theater all the time and in fact claimed that for at least three years he went to the theater every day. Man. I'm jealous. I mean, he probably worked ungodly hours and then was just like, okay, after work. You know what? Never mind. I don't have a wife or kids, so I'm going to go to the theater and then go home and sleep. You're right. I don't want to have been alive in the mid-1800s and working. You wouldn't have been working. You're a woman. True. Scrooged is a 1988 film directed by Richard Donner of Superman, Goonies, and Lethal Weapon fame and written by Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue, who are of Saturday Night Live fame. Hmm. Scrooge is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol set in the late 80s in New York City, baby, with miserly Ebenezer Scrooge replaced by Frank Cross, a corrupt television executive, as he experiences similar ghostly visits to get him to change his ways. It was produced by Paramount Pictures and released November 23rd, 1988, right in time for the Christmas season. It cost $32 million to make, with $6 million of that going to star Bill Murray in his first role after Ghostbusters. And in fact, Megan, the advertisements for the movie are like, you like Bill Murray and ghosts? Check this flick out. We got Bill Murray and And ghosts. ghosts. Scrooge made around $100 million in box office, and you know what, Megan? That's pretty good. That's good. That's good. What do you mean pretty? Isn't... No, that's three times the budget. That's... We've discussed, but that's good. It's not amazing. 
How is it not amazing? That's three times. I thought you said that as long as it was double, it's great. Yeah, you know, you're right, Megan, but it's not like gangbusters. It's... I do not understand what your criteria is anymore for good budget. Yeah, that's okay. You don't have to. It was nominated for a Best Makeup Oscar, losing to Beetlejuice. Deservedly so, losing to Beetlejuice. I mean, the makeup's not bad. Ghost Christmas Pass, pretty good. But he's really the only makeup guy. And you think about Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, a lot of people. That's what I'm Beetlejuice. saying. Beetlejuice? More than just Beetlejuice. We gotta stop saying his name, Megan. We don't want him. Oh, no! Scrooge, Megan. Yeah. Scrooge. I have a Christmas gift for you. Oh, I've got one for you, too. What? Oh, you're not talking about real life. I mean, I got one for you in real life, too, but I got you a podcast Christmas gift. Oh, I got you nothing. Okay, that's fine. I okay. Didn't... In honor of Christmas, Megan, I am enacting a new golden age of Marquez's acting corner. I love golden ages. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? From this point forward, in perpetuity, ad infinitum, if I do not give a single shit about an actor... They aren't in the acting corner. Yay! <laughs> so, like, you remember, uh, what's a good example? Forbidden Planet, where I talked about, like, two other people besides Leslie Nielsen and Robbie the Robot. And really, those are the only two. That I care about. Yeah. Go! Bill Murray. He's in Ghostbusters, we just mentioned it. He was probably the most popular comedic actor during the late 90s, early 2000s. Who is he in this? He is Frank Cross, Ebenezer Scrooge guy. Bill Murray, after doing Ghostbusters, kind of felt gross about Hollywood and didn't want to make another film. But then they offered him $6 million. No, that's <laughs> that's probably part of the reason. Part of it. But Bill Murray's like famously hard to get in your movies. Because you want to know the fun fact about Bill Murray? He doesn't have an agent. He has an answering machine oh, yeah! that you pitch movies to. And that he has missed out on many opportunities because he just doesn't check his he doesn't need to do any work yeah he just likes messing with people on the streets he also likes messing with people on the streets very famous for doing so do you know any other bill murray roles off the top of your head no okay i'm so bad on the spot you can't ask this of me he was in that zombie movie that we watched this year oh uh dead don't die yeah Dead don't die the dead don't die yeah bobcat goldthwaite i know him okay what do you know him from Weird voice. Uh, okay, uh, quick. Uh, I, like this is good. See, I'm trying to make the acting corner fun, Megan. Oh, so you're trying to be more interactive with Megan? Yes. Oh, okay. Try to do a Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> that's pretty. I don't know, <laughs> Megan. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm trying. Now say like your lugubriousness. Your lugubriousness. <laughs> I think we got a Bobcat. I think now, we got a Bobcat. Now, Megan. <laughs> Megan. Yeah. Now. Do a Bobcat Goldthwaite saying, Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas. Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas. I can't do it. You can. It's really good, actually. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> I'm trying to bring, like, some of the tonality, the way that Kermit says it. Yeah. Into Bobcat Goldthwaite. It's very difficult. So Bobcat plays Elliot Loudermilk, who is kind of half of Bob Cratchit. With his secretary, who's also kind of half of Bob Cratchit. I mean, she's like 75% of Bob Cratchit. Yeah, he's like the other 25. You know, he's just like kind of a dark comedian Bobcat. Like, he voiced Pain, Hades, sidekick, one of the two, in every Hercules thing. Like, he keeps doing the voice. Like, Why would you want a different voice? You can't. Well, I mean, Tom Hanks doesn't voice Woody and everything. Yeah, but that's just a normal guy voice. Yeah, he's pretty famous, but he's most famous for... His voice. His voice. Just being a voice. Yep. Carol Kane. Hell yeah. What do you know Carol Kane from, Adam's Megan? Family. Yeah, she was Grandmama Adams in Adam's Family. One and Adam's Family Values. She was also in, like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh yeah, that is her. 
She's from Annie Hall. She's received an Academy Award nomination. She's great. We love her. I do. Yeah, she's not a witch. She's my wife. I'm married to Carol Kane. Oh, wow. I mean, it's weird, Megan, because Carol Kane plays like older all the time. So she is now at the age that she was of, playing of, in, like, in the, the 90s. 90s. Yeah. yeah. Which is just fun. Or she's still not even that old. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she plays the ghost of Christmas present. Alfrey Woodard is the only black main character. She plays Grace, Frank's assistant, who is definitely the Bob Cratchit in this situation because he makes her work late. T-shirt idea. I'm the Bob Cratchit in this situation. Add it to the list, Megan. I told Megan, wow, that's Alfrey Woodard. And Megan, in her patented way, said, who? So you don't know Alfrey Woodard. I have no idea. This you is... were like, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about Alfrey Woodard. And between us watching the film and us recording this, you sent me that text and I went, I have no idea who that is. Here are a few things that Alfrey Woodard is in that you might know. Okay. She was in Annabelle. Oh, she was the black lady in it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all white folks. Yes. She was the lady who died in order to save the white people. Yeah. Hey, she was the only likable character, if I'm remembering correctly. She was the only likable character. She was Sarabi in The New Lion King. Oh, I haven't seen it. Yep. She was that lady that yelled at Tony Stark at the beginning of Captain America Civil War. Who was like, my son died. Good for her. Yell at Iron Man. I'm trying to keep this in the Megan ballpark. I feel like she's done more things that I might have seen recently, but I haven't seen them. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Yeah. She was Josephine Ann Whistle in the new series of Unfortunate Events. I don't think I got that far. I think you did, Megan. That's the third book. The Wide Window. She was the worried lady who took care of them. Yeah, no, I did see that. I don't remember it. Anyways, uh, she rules. No, uh, she seems great. I, I'm a disappointment. Anyway, that's Marquez's acting corner. Notes? Notes? Uh, no notes. You had fun? You had more fun? I had more fun. Okay. We're going to switch it up to this. Then, okay. Megan. You don't like Megan starting episodes being frustrated? No, yeah, I don't like that. Oh, so, um... okay. And with that, we begin the film. With some really cool music. I like the music. We were sitting there, and I went, is this Danny Elfman? Yeah. I was right. So, this film, I'm gonna say, has the most whack beginning that I've ever seen. Santa! Is this the only Christmas carol that includes Santa Claus? I doubt it. That we that I've seen at least. What that, about you? Have you seen any? I cannot think of one right away. Probably, like, one of the modern ones that, like, just have Santa in general yeah. in them because they take place, like, now. Yeah. So, anyway, we're in the North Pole and there's Santa and all the elves. And, oh, no. They are under attack. Yeah, someone is shooting at Santa. It's just, like, terrorists with AK-47s. <laughs> Do you think it might be Grandma? After getting run over? Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know, but I do know that Lee Majors is here to help defend Santa. The six million dollar man. Like, you're just quoting the film, but did you have any idea who Lee Majors was? Yes. What? From what? Six million dollar man. You watched the six million dollar man? You just know that. Yeah. Okay, so some cultural osmosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loves Santa, and he's a good boy. But this is just like a TV spot. <laughs> For the movie, For... the night the reindeer died. So, 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 in reality, we're at the IBC television company yeah. station. What do you call it? Studio? Network? Network. And um, Bill Murray is here and he's not happy. <laughs> Frank Cross. There's a Scrooge promo. Old man. Yeah, obviously. Charles Dickens' seminal work. Scrooge. You know, that's the name of it. That's the name of it. Bill Murray doesn't like any of the things. See, here's my question. Yeah. Why doesn't he like Lee Majors' Saving Christmas? 
He said he wanted terrorists and stuff later. That's what that first one was. Why was he unhappy with it? Was it just because he really wanted to see Scrooge stuff and not this? He was like, stop talking about this. I want to see the Scrooge thing because that's what all our money's going into. <laughs> no idea. I don't know. Anyway, they play the trailer, the promo for Scrooge, and it's an old man talking about Scrooge. Yeah. And uh, he hates it. Bill Murray hates it. Frank Cross hates it. He mentions that they have spent $40 million on this live television special. That's a lot of money for TV. That is more than they spent on this film. Yeah. By like $4 million, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's how much they thought they were going to spend on this film. And they were doing like a little, oh, we spent $40 million on this. Bill Murray also mentions that he's the youngest president of this company. Bill Murray, when this was being filmed, was a tender, 38 years old, which might be true for that. But like, it's just a thing in films where people are like, I'm a young man. And I'm like, you're almost 40. Yeah. I mean, it's probably pretty accurate for like network television presidents. That's fair. They're all like 90. I'm still. No. They're all like 90, (laughs) man. And then he shows what he wants it to look like. And he already filmed a promo, so, like, he knew that he'd hate theirs. Yeah. So what the heck? This promo's got an atomic bomb explosion. It's just, like, drugs, terrorism, (laughs) your grandma's dying. All of these things pale in comparison to the greatest television event ever. Scrooge, a seminal classic by Charles Dickens. Watch it or you will die. Man, this movie's pretty cynical. I mean, Frank Cross is pretty cynical. Well, I feel like the movie is like, TV's all bad, it's all like this. Oh. I don't know, this just feels like it has a cynical edge to it. Well, it's coming out in 88. I just feel like I miss the earnestness of Christmas Carol. And this is like, this isn't your daddy's Christmas Carol. I am looking up. Mm -hmm. This was probably created in 87 Mm -hmm. if it came out in 88. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking up what the top TV programs were of 87 to see just how accurate it is to how cynical TV was then. You ready? Do you want to know what the top five were? Yeah. The Cosby Show, number one. I mean, looking back, maybe. Number two, A Different World, which is also a sitcom, which is also a spinoff of The Cosby Show. Yeah. Number three, Cheers. Number four, The Golden Girls. Ooh. Number five, Growing Pains. So yeah, no. Yeah, it was a lot of sentimental sob. Like 60 Minutes is number eight. And that's the first thing. Matlock isn't even in the top ten. So come on. People like comedy. Frank Cross is like, I want this on the hour every hour until it airs. And Bobcat Goldthwait is like, I don't do um, that's a bad ad and Frank Cross is like oh tell me about it and he's just like uh he's fired that guy Elliot he's fired and then his secretary Grace is just like but it's Christmas and he's like thank you so much Grace take away his bonus yeah stop the bonus before it gets to him And then he looks at a drawing and he's like, that drawing's garbage. And he throws it out and it was done by one of Grace's kids. Get it? He's a bad man. He also only wants to give his only brother a towel for Christmas. And then when Grace asks, what about my bonus? Frank is like, put you down for a towel too. So he doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah. He's a bad man. Almost. Like one Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm. Ah, humbug to you too. Here's one thing I don't like about this movie, Megan. Like several things I dislike about this movie. In the next scene, we see a few obstacles that Frank has in his way. He should have no obstacles. No, he's uh, supposed to be on Easy Street. Easy, he's rich. His life's great and everyone else is like, could you help? And he goes, no. Yeah, so a couple things. One. The TV executive that is above him is like, listen, cats and dogs watch TV now, and we need programming for cats and dogs. So if you could, like, add some of that to your Scrooge special, that would make me really happy. And, like, that's just adding things on. So we get the sense that... He's under pressure. He's under a lot of pressure. 
And also, he meets this other guy who's from California, who's like this like go-getter, who's probably gunning for his job. And so he has like another obstacle in his way. And I'm like, there shouldn't be any of these obstacles. No, he's like worried about his job and pleasing the exec when he's Scrooge's top man. Oh, uh, the California guy's name is Bryce Cummings. Yes, he is Cummings for your job. (laughs) Because of, you know, adding the cat and dog programming and making sure that Scrooge is as good as possible. He's like, I need to work late. Grace, you have to stay late as well. She's like, no, my son has to go to the doctor. I've told you that for like a month. And he's just like, no, I work late. You work late. I leave you work late. You work late, Grace. And he's very mean. Yeah. But after his meeting with the exact talking to Grace, his brother is here. And his brother's like, hey, you're mean. <laughs> Come to Christmas. And much like Fred, Scrooge's nephew in Christmas Carol. Who's like, come on, uncle. Frank is like, nuh-uh. He's got to work on a dormouse. A couple things happen. Frank steals a taxi from an old lady. who she calls. swears at him. Yeah. Oh. I like old lady swearing. Yes. There are a few things that bring me more joy. He gets an award for being, I don't know, a humanitarian or whatever. Is that what it's for? It's got to be just be like, here's a good guy award because you're such a great guy. I thought it was like just like a TV big money guy award. I mean, it's got to be. No, because it was at like a dinner. You're right. It was like at a benefit dinner sort of thing. Yep. Otherwise, it would have been in front of TV cameras. And as he drives off to go back to the office, we see that Elliot has a bottle of booze in a paper bag. And when he gets splashed by the water, the bag breaks and the bottle drops. He's been driven to drink by Frank's actions. And now he can't even drink his drink. And also, he doesn't even swear because he's a silly man. And Frank, when he leaves the cab, leaves his award there because he doesn't actually give a shit about the award. See, Megan? He's a bad guy. That's how we know. Wouldn't you want the award, though, to be able to shove it in other people's faces? That's where I'm like, yeah, he's bad, but he could be worse, I guess? I don't know. I guess Grace got to go to the doctor, though. Yeah. So that's good. I guess it's because his brother was like, you're mean? Yeah. Or something? So the doctor's just like, hey, your son's not going to talk ever again. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Merry Christmas. And Frank gets back to his office. He's nice and safe. He makes himself a drink. But there's a knock on the door. He goes to answer it. No one's there. And there's big, big noise. Scary, scary. Weird handprints through the door. Scary, scary. And it explodes. And there's a zombie man. Yeah, it's his dead boss, Lee Hayward, who's like dressed up like he's going golfing like rich people do. And like many Christmas carols, Frank's just like, no, 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 you're a hallucination brought on by food or alcohol or whatever. He says that it's Russian vodka or whatever tampered by Chernobyl. Megan? What? What is Russian vodka by overdone potato? Because Scrooge blames it on an underdone potato. But what is vodka but overdone? potato yeah alcohol uh-huh. there's a connection megan and scary zombie lee's like stop trying to shoot me i'm dead being an executive is a waste of a job you need to be a better person there are gonna be three ghosts tomorrow at noon that's a change that's a big change because instead day. of it being like it's gonna be when you're alone in bed it's like yeah this is gonna be in the peak of your business day when you're probably networking and around a lot of people in public. I would also like to say that Lee Hayward does do a direct quote of saying mankind should have been my business. Oh, yeah. That's a direct quote, which I love. Man, mm. when Marley or any version of Marley says mankind should have been my business. Because here's the thing, Megan. It's not about Christmas. People are like, Scrooge hates Christmas. He's no, always... he just hates people. He hates charity. It's a the it's only a metaphor. It comes across on Christmas is because Christmas is the time when people are most giving. Typically, yes, I don't get why people are like Scrooge. Oh man, must hate Christmas. I was like, no, Scrooges hate charity. That's hate charity. Hate other people. Have no empathy. 
Anyway, Lee hangs him out the window like they do a cool effect where he phases through the window. Yeah, okay. This is the most terrifying Marley is in anything. I love it. Because he's love- like, hi, I'm going to murder you. Yeah, I Instead love it. Instead of just warning you about things, like, you should be better. Guess what? I'm killing you now. He's got to scare him. I like it because he should be scared. And I think that in contemporary times, or at least at least by the 1980s, the idea of just a ghost showing up is not as scary as it was back in like the 1800s. Yeah. And it also matches because Frank himself is just like, I want to scare the pants off of everyone who watches the promo. I don't want them to just want to watch it. I want them to be terrified for their lives if yeah, they don't. Yeah, fear is a powerful motivator and... It's getting used against him now. Yeah. And it's terrible. He falls. But then he's in his chair because it's a dream. But then his phone is dialing Claire Phillips, who he hasn't talked to in 15 years because Lou's just like, I want to get you a girl. I do love this. I love the addition of someone... From his past. Well, because other ones will be like, you had a girl, remember? And she left you forever and there's no chance for redemption. Right. (laughs) It's just like, see how you messed up your life? Goodbye. I get it, though. I do get on some level the idea of there are certain relationships that you cannot fix. Yeah. And I do like that aspect. But I also like that, you know, you're cutting some other stuff as we'll come across. You're chopping it down to be a tight, like, hour and ten minute movie. You you need to cut some stuff, and I think that just making it clear that it's just, like, he had this love, and she's going to be a part of this. There's and, a chance. Yes. There's a chance for her to come back, and for him to lose her again. Yes, and I like that the ghosts are instigating it. Because he wouldn't have called her. In a quick moment, we see that Grace's family is poor. We knew this. She has so many family members. She has a lot of kids, much like Bob Cratchit. Yes, we get to see that. I think it's important to know. It is. And an old lady dies watching the new promo for Scrooge. And he's like, this is amazing. Bad press is good press. He has them put a disclaimer at the beginning, which I think we're supposed to be like, yeah, he's milking it. But I'm like, it is good that he's putting a disclaimer, though. Like, yeah, it's good that he's just like, hi, if you have heart problems, anything like that, don't watch this. Yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be airing this promo. Right. But But I'm like, I know it's a bad thing that he's doing this, but at least there's a warning. (laughs) He goes down to set. Because the standard and practices lady is upset about nip-nops. The dancer's nipples are peeking out above their corsets. And Frank Cross is like, I don't see any nipples. I mean, I want to see her nipples. Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples. It's in the spirit of the thing. But you can't see that from far away. Which he tries to prove to her. And then the standards and practices lady gets bonked on the head and passes out. Because this is a dangerous set and Frank should be fired. Yes. But who, oh no, we can't pay attention to that anymore because we hear someone call out for Lumpy. And it's Claire. She's here. And she's like, Lumpy, you were frightened. I know that voice when you called me. I like her. She's so pretty. She's got such big, kind eyes. And then one of the props guys is like, hi, I got the Dormouse. I can't glue the antlers to its head, which one is already bad. And then Frank's like, staple them on then. And Claire's like, oh my God, what is your problem? I would also like to state that Claire tells Frank, you look like you've seen a ghost, which is a line that people only say in things. When someone's seen a ghost. (laughs) Yes. No one's ever said that in the history of forever. And then he has to interrupt his talk with Claire to yell at a child. And it's Grace's son who doesn't speak. Grace is like, I thought it would be nice for him to see a set, but I guess I was wrong because you yelled at him. And Claire keeps being like, oh, Lumpy. This guy sucks. What a monster. I'm going to smile and be nice. And I'm like, he does not deserve your kindness. They do the stereotypical thing where they probe each other with questions about like well your husband must be worried about you oh no husband for me it's the laziest shit boo 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 
lazy. It's lazy. It's the laziest way for you to establish that these two can get together. But we know that because we're watching a movie. Like, you would mention your husband in conversation and, like, probing questions about if she has a husband. Like, you'll figure that out if you guys are both attracted to each other. Also, just, like, when people are flirting, they don't typically say, oh, your husband's going to get mad. I mean, some people do, but more likely they would, one, look for a wedding ring. Yep. Two, say, I don't see a ring. What's going on? You didn't get married? Like, they bring it up as, like, a joke or just, like, outwardly say it. And see what the reaction is. Hey. Anyway, she's a good person. She's a director at Operation Outreach. She helps the world. And Frank kind of makes fun of it. He's just like, oh, you still trying to fix the world? And she's like, oh, you still trying to run it? And I don't think they're good for each other. I think he's too far gone. But that's the point. That's the point. That's the point, Megan. Anyway, this whole time he's been yelling at a set person to stop hammering, and they finally stop, and then the whole set falls down and crushes the censor lady. Because it's so funny. It is not funny. It's not funny. She was just doing her job. It's also not filmed funny or... No, it's devastating looking. She, like, screams, and if I, like, oh, people getting injured is funny, and I'm like, not really. Frank's having lunch with the executive guy, his boss. Mr. Rhinelander. Thank you. And Mr. Rhinelander is afraid that Frank's spreading himself too thin, so he has hired an assistant for Frank, and it is <gasps> Bryce, Bryce Cummings. Cummings. He's Cummings for your jobs. This is not great news. This is not the news Frank wanted to see, and he looks at his watch, and uh-oh, it's noon. Uh-oh. And then he's like, Bryce is a ghost. I get it. At least that's how I read the situation. Yeah, kind of. But also, Megan, Frank ordered a highball. And then the highball is an eyeball. It's a good joke, Megan. I laughed very hard. I think it's a good joke. And then he sees a waiter completely on fire when all it is is he's in front of a baked Alaska. So he's seeing a lot of messed up stuff that Mm -hmm. leads to him throwing a bunch of water on a waiter and leaving the restaurant in a hurry. And he goes to get a cab. And a cab suddenly appears in front of another cab, like backs into the front of the cab, you know? Yeah. Like he makes that cab rear end him, but he's moving. Yes. You know what I mean. This cab is an older cab. You can see it's not like the modern cabs. So. It's not well taken care of. But it does have Christmas decorations in it. Heck yeah. And I, my note says, he's driving here. And then we see the like license that's inside the cab, and it doesn't say a name it's this ghost of Christmas past. And he just goes, I'm the ghost, Frank. I could do that guy really well, and you could do Bobcat Goldplay pretty well. And they go back in time. But first, they steal booze from Elliot. Oh, yes, yes. Because the guy has to have a sad life. And I want to say, I think it's cool that instead of a fair, it shows the years on the Yeah, game. I like, I like that. that. It's a nice touch. And they end up in 1955. But Megan, that's... that's the that's the back to the future year they're gonna run into marty coming through the delorean <laughs> be like stop that's your mom yeah they're gonna interrupt the enchantment under the sea dance oh that'd be so funny also what makes this one special we gotta talk about this we haven't yet okay he is literally filming a production of a christmas carol yeah, and then he's getting visited. And he's getting Christmas caroled. And he literally is just like, I know this book. I know the story. It's not going to work on me, buddy. Oh, what? You're going to show me my past and show me all the things I did wrong and how it turned out bad. Yeah, we go to his childhood home and there's no Christmas lights up. And the thing about Frank here is that despite the reality being put in front of him, he is flat out denying what actually happened he's like oh my dad must have not put up the christmas lights yet and the ghost is like it's "It's christmas Christmas eve Eve." and then his dad doesn't get him the present he asked for and gets him veal and he's just like well that's a great expensive cut of meat so this is my favorite part of the movie i feel like this is often your favorite part of all of them you may be right i do love (laughs) the past the most Because I feel like it is just 
Well, it's the innocence that they look back on and it touches them and you see their cold, dead heart break a little bit. Megan, this works every time for me in any Christmas theme. Well, that's what the Ghost of Christmas Past says. He was just like, oh, you say that you're not going to get upset by it. Well, when Attila the Hun saw his mom, Niagara Niagara Falls, Falls, Frankie, and he sees his mom and she's pregnant and... You know, she's just trying to rest. She's smoking cigarettes like you did when you were pregnant in the 1950s. She, like, had to leave in the middle of the night? Was it for work or for, like, doing some errand or something? She leaves him. And and she looks back and she's like, I love you, Frankie. Like, she looks like she doesn't want to leave her baby. Yeah. And Frank starts tearing up. He starts crying. Of course, Niagara Falls. I enjoy this type of thing in any Christmas film. That innocence lost. We then cut to outside of the house. And Frank, again, is trying to justify his childhood. He said, I had a good childhood. I did this This, and this and this. And the ghost is like, you're full of shit. Those were all TV shows. You didn't do anything. You watched TV. You see. And all of your memories are things you saw, not experienced. And then he says one of my favorite lines, which is garden slugs got more out of life than you did. And Frank says, name one, which I have never caught before this viewing. It's very funny. And it's a great throwaway. Oh, yeah. We should mention this. This is one you've seen. Oh, yeah. I have seen this film. Okay. Yeah. We haven't seen because last time you you had never experienced like any Muppet thing. Yeah. Nor that movie in general. And this one is like one of the few Christmas Carol adaptations you have seen. Yes. This is like the one that my mom loves. So Of course it is. Of course it is. It's very my mom. Shout out to my mother who will eventually hear this episode. So we go forward in the future. And we're at an office party. 1968. Thank you. I knew you'd write it. And Frank is like an intern or something at the office. And he has beautiful, luscious, longer hair that is in curls. It's kind of weird. It's a very sexy party at the office. And Lou's like, come on, Frank, join the party. And Tina's like, here's a photocopy of my butt. We should go have sex. And And he's like, like, I'm busy. No. And she's like, don't you want Chinese food? And he's like, I'm going to be racist about Chinese people. And then he leaves. Yep. And Frank from the future is like, no, you dummy, you could have had sex with her. Instead, he goes onto the street and then gets hit in the face by a door and falls to the ground. And it was Claire. They have a Christmas meet cute. And that's why she calls him lumpy is because he got a lump on his head from her hitting him with a door. And then they knock heads trying to pick up her stuff that she dropped. And then he's like... Actually, though, I'd have Chinese food with you. Yeah. Because I'm only racist when I don't really care about the person. The moment does work for me. It does work. It really does. I just got really thrown off by him just being like... It is fair of you to not like that he did that because of a racist reason. Yes. But you can also like that... He was like, I don't want this meaningless thing. But then he immediately feels a connection with Claire. He goes shields down. Yes. And then we go through years where he's happy with Claire. And they live together, and she's taking a bath, and he's like, I want to open Christmas presents. And And she she says, you are allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve, which causes me to ask Megan, my co-host on this podcast, what are your Christmas traditions, Megan, for opening presents? Okay. We always go to my grandma's on Christmas Eve. Yep. So we open that whole part of the family's presents then. But, like, my immediate family, we don't bring any of our presents for each other to that. And you just open those. So we open, like, the grandparents' presents, and we give the grandparents their presents. And then Christmas morning, we make coffee cake, always. And we will open our stockings while the coffee cake's getting ready, eat the coffee cake, and then we'll open up our presents. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I was a child of a divorce. Yeah. So I spent Christmas Eve at my grandma Nina's house, where we had Mexican food. And just open up gifts kind of whenever. It was not very organized, which I like. And then we would go to my mom's house, like, either that night or the morning of. And then would spend Christmas. That's when we had the immediate family Christmas. was Christmas morning with my immediate family. 
And then we would go to my other grandma's house for actual Christmas where we'd have American food. Uh, yeah, she got knives. Twelve knives. Sharp knives. And yeah. then she gave him the Kama Sutra. Ooh. And she's like, let's go. <laughs> I appreciate that she's a sexually active woman. And it's not just him. Well, especially because she's a very charitable woman. And very often media will be like, if you are a very charitable person who's a woman, you are very innocent. Yep. And she is caring and loving and sexual and that's awesome so we cut to a different year where we see the frisbee show which is a kid's show about a dog named frisbee and it's one of those call and response shows where it's like what is it it's a bone and the ghost of christmas past is like oh he's loving it like it's a bone And Frank is Frisbee the dog. And Claire comes to be like, hi, it's time to go to dinner. But he got invited to go to dinner with Lou and some chick who's not his wife. Yeah. And he's just like, well, Claire, this is a better option. We're going to see your friends whenever. And that's not the point. He calls her selfish. Even though she's super not in his. And then she's like, I think we should separate. And he doesn't listen. And he says, all right, I'll see you after. And that's not what she that's said. That's not what she said. And then he goes back to be Frisbee. And she says, Merry Christmas, sadly, as he leaves. And Frio Frank is devastated. Because obviously, the reason why it always works, Megan, the reason why it always works It's because you can't see your actions outside of your body when you're making them. And your brain is always there. That's why people with anxiety are always reliving the past because they can never actually see what people's reactions are. They're always questioning, like, how did they actually react? All I have is my memories, which aren't true. But, like, the method of which the Ghost of Christmas Past works is he's not showing you your perception. He's not showing you anything but what actually went down and you get to see yourself and the things that you said and did but the reason we need three ghosts is because people like frank see that and go denial yeah i'm like yeah he sees that but he doesn't get it because he's immediately just like no i know who i am i know what i want i know what's going on and then the ghost disappears and he's like what's going on and it's a laugh but as soon as he's back to normal He's like, no one's actually that nice. Yes. And no. He's yelling around the set of the Scrooge dress TV, rehearsal. Dress yeah. rehearsal. He's like, and nothing. he's like, no one's that nice. It's a trick. It's a trap. And I'm like, come on, man. That's why you need the multiple That's why you ghosts. You need the three. And Elliot's donating blood so he can get money so that he can buy booze, but then he faints because he donates way too much blood. And, and then a homeless guy takes his clothes and money and his watch. And his watch. And Frank walks past and he's like, I'm going to chew out Claire for leaving me because I was right and she was wrong. And he storms all in and he's all a mess. And he storms into Operation Outreach. And then everyone who's working there is like, this is a man who needs a shelter and maybe some food and coffee. coffee." And they give him a blanket. and And for some reason, the homeless people that surround him call him Richard Burton, the famous Shakespearean actor. And then he does some Mark Antony lines. And then that connects the what the Dickens universe with the avant-barde universe. Megan, we found a portal. We can leave. Uh, No, I want to finish this film. Oh, no. We're being pulled back through the Christmas portal. Megan, we could have left. We had an out. We could have gone back to our last podcast. But no, you had to finish the movie. I don't want to stop at scene 12. Claire shows up, recognizes Frank, and goes like, It's just Frank, don't worry. And he's Um, just like, man, you ever have regrets? And she's like, yeah. And then he's just like, let's go out for Chinese food. And at the same time, the shelter is just like, there's no fuses. The turkeys didn't come, etc. And Claire's like, I'm a director here. I need to fix this. And Frank's like, you should fire all these people that aren't doing their jobs. And she's like, they are volunteers. And he's like, no. No, you know what? You're choosing your job over me again. And you're bad. And 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 choosing to help other people will not get you anywhere in this world. If you want to save somebody, save yourself. And then he says, bah, humbug. humbug. 
you know, the thing that Ebenezer Scrooge says multiple times. And as he leaves, a, a guy asks him for two bucks to heat the place that he lives. And Frank's just like, no. No, I got a ton of money. Not for you, though. Bah humbug to you, too. Anyway, we go back to the set of Scrooge. And Bryce Cummings has taken over the set in Frank's absence. How dare he? Frank wasn't even there. Wait. Wait. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of just doing his job. And he's like, I'm going to fire Bryce. And then Bryce like, bye, I'm going to go hang out with Mr. Rhinelander again because we're buddies. Yeah. And who should show up, Megan? But a fairy. It's Carol Kane. And he's got the bulb breaker suite. So her bit is that she's ditzy and hurts Frank. And this bit is not as funny as the movie thinks it is. <laughs> I like it. Mainly because he's a bad man and I want him to get hit. And she starts it off by kicking him in the nuts. And then she slaps at him a bunch. And she asks him to close his eyes and she punches him into the present. Oh, it's great. And what we see in the present is that Calvin, Grace's son, has not spoken since he watched his father die in front of him. Okay, here's my problem, Megan. They make this so weird urban stereotype. Yes. It can't just be that, like, I don't know. They don't have enough money. and They don't have enough money, so they can't do tests to properly diagnose what's wrong with him. It's like, well, you know. His father People got shot. People of color shot. are constantly killed by, you know, gangs. Sure. It's, okay. it's, a, it's just a little iffy. It's fine. I mean, it's disability porn to begin with. Yes, because you're like, you're supposed to feel sad, and you will feel happy, and your heart will be elated when this kid inevitably... Doesn't have a disability anymore. Yes. And he can be normal. Yep. That's the worst thing about Christmas Carol. Yeah. And she flicks Frank's ear a bunch, and then he agrees that he'll give Grace a raise. Yes. And that's really the main thing. Is she she kind of beats him up until he realizes that Grace is poor and deserves more money for all she does for him. Good. We should beat up rich people. We should. That's why. See, that's why I like it. Okay, I can. I'm on your side. Sorry, I don't think it's funny. I'll say it's effective. It's, it's effective. Yeah. I think we need Carol Kane to beat up more rich people. And we're in a different place in the present. It's his brother's house, and the dog barks at Frank and the ghost because... That's why you keep animals. They know when ghosts are around. Mm -hmm. And everyone's having fun at this party, and they're playing a TV trivia game. This is another instance where this adaptation goes a different route, because a lot are like, oh, let's make fun of Scrooge a bit. And they do not at all in this. What they do is they have James, his brother, be like, I really love my brother and I wish that he was here. And everyone goes, why do you think he'd show up? He never does. And he goes, well, he's my brother. It's very sweet. It's just earnest and sweet. There's no one being like, well, Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't love anyone. Yeah, it is very sweet. And also, we don't know if Grace messed up the gifts or... Oh, she, she did it on purpose. But instead of a towel... She sends Frank's brother the other gift, the expensive gift, the VCR. And they're like, wow. He really must care about you. Yeah. He does say, I got my brother a gift and it is a frame I made myself in a picture of us. Yeah, so he's like, I didn't even, I didn't get him anything. I just made him a frame. And then his girlfriend's like, with your own <laughs> two hands. Yeah. Like, you made him a caring gift. And then... Carol Kane's just like, oh, what's that? It's a toaster! And she just smacks Frank in the face with a toaster. And that's the end of her bit. Oh, well, well wait. Another yeah. thing you missed, Megan, is that as they're playing the TV trivia oh, yeah. game, Frank knows it because he grew up watching TV. Yeah. And they're asking what the... Ship was on for Gilligan's Island. Yes. And his brother can't get it. But remember that, Megan. Frank's like, oh, you dumb bitch. I had none of a childhood. I guess James like went out and hung out with maybe, people. Though. I, don't I don't know. know. Well, he maybe, seems well adjusted. Maybe the life became better when the brother was maybe. more in the picture. Remember that for later. Anyway, he, he gets, gets hit toastered. with the toastered. And then suddenly he's in the sewer and it's freezing. It's so cold. And he looks over and there's the frozen body of that guy who asked for $2 that he wouldn't help. Yeah, he's dead. And Frank's like, no, 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 no. Please give me a happy ending. Like, that sounded bad. He's, but that's like what he says. That's what he says. Yeah. But when I say it, it sounds like a bad thing. I love this also. Yes. I think that showing rich people the direct consequence good, of their actions. Yes, the direct the good, good that they could have done oh. is so powerful. Like telling people like you did not steal from them. 
But $2, nothing from you, could have saved this man's life. Yes. And you blew him off. And now he is dead. And then he yells at the corpse that he should have stayed with Claire. And I think someone's projecting, but also, like, if he'd stayed at Operation Outreach, well, he would have had one. Yeah, but, it, is, it is projecting. But it's... he also wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, like, you didn't stay with Claire. Exactly. And that's the point. Like, she would have protected you. You shouldn't have left her. And he busts through a door, and it leads onto the set, and he hits the sensor lady. Because like, <laughs> this is funny. I don't know. Anyway. It's three minutes to air. Bryce and Grace are like, where have you been, Frank? Oh, my God. And he's just like, did you break a leg, everybody? I feel really weird about tonight. And that was is every directing experience I've ever had. I love that. That's so funny to me. <laughs> I feel really weird about tonight. He wants to go back up to his office. He gets in the elevator and there's a skeleton guy. And he's like, oh, oh God, no. it's the third ghost. And he starts freaking out. And he's like, take me, ignore the rest. And everyone's like, my dude, that's the ghost of Christmas future for Scrooge, the TV thing we're doing right now. Oh, I would also like to mention something we missed earlier. In the present, yeah, when we visit Grace's house, mm -hmm. A Christmas Carol is on TV, a different version, and we see Calvin, her son, watching Tiny Tim say, God bless us, everyone, in that. Oh, I think no, it's the original promo no, no, for no. this one. No, 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 it's a different one. And then now we see him hear Mary Lou Renner say, God bless us, everyone, on set. So we're just building up to... The third. When he the says The rule of it. three. The third time God blesses everyone is going to be yes. said. Yeah. And so Frank goes up and he opens his brother's gift. And it's right as it airs. And, you know, the thing starts off with Scrooge is alone in his gloomy chambers. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting alone in his gloomy office pouring himself a drink. And the Dormouse is on TV. It's real great. It's a good job. I mean, his whole, like, wall is screens of the simulcast yeah. that's happening and he opens up the gift from his brother and it's a frame and it's so nice and behind him across all the screens you see a big ghost just like lurking and then reach out from it oh so the ghost of christmas yet to come is always a good opportunity for you to do something different yeah and they do yeah i wish that they went a little bit farther with it but I agree with you. I still well, dig it. The actual ghost, like you'll see later, has like a TV head. Yeah. With a like, screen face. Yeah, which is cool. I love that. I don't know what the guys in his rib cage is, is about. What, it's kind of different from the whole TV. Yeah, stuff. whatever. It's like Freddy Krueger's got souls in his body. It, that doesn't matter. What I wish they had done before we get into what's coming next. What I wish they had done is I wish that all of the things, all of the, like, visions of the future were, like, TV promos. Oh, yeah. Like, make it all about TV. or like. See, that's the one thing that you're, like, missing out on in that the ghost of Christmas yet to come never speaks. Yeah. Because you can't have it be like, oh, and then all of his lines will be screen grabs from movies and, like, lines that people know that kind of fit. But he doesn't ever speak, so... I mean, because you yeah. could have done a thing where it's like a news program, and it's like, Frank yeah, yeah. Cross, dead at 56, and he's like, I'm only <laughs> no 38. <laughs> yeah. But we don't get there, because just as the ghost of Christmas yet to come is about to grab Frank and pull him... The door bursts open, and it's Elliot with a shotgun, and he's like, ah! <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna shoot your Emmys. And he's like, my babies. <laughs> And then Frank falls into the elevator trying to escape him. And he hits a skeleton man in the elevator. And he's just like, oh, it's you again. Shouldn't you be on set? But he looks completely different. Yeah. And it is actually the real Ghost of Christmas yet to come. And a funny bit is that he opens up the ghost's cloak. And it's a bunch of damned souls screaming out in pain. And he closes it, pauses, opens it up again just to make <laughs> sure the damned souls scream out again. He closes it. It's like, okay. Yeah, God, you're real. So we're in the future. Yeah. Calvin is in an asylum. Megan, I think this is actually weak. I like this. This is the worst one. Because I think. You know what's better? Tiny Tim is dead. Yes. I think that this is not a very good Christmas yet to come section no. because we get that. Then we see a bunch of snooty rich bitches. Yes. And Claire is and one. Claire is one, which makes no sense. And so. she's just like, ooh. Get rid of those ugly poor children. If you want to save someone, save yourself, I say. And Frank's like, I told her that. Yeah. 
But so, that's very unrealistic. Yeah, two of the three are terrible. Yes. The third one is the base one that they all show. But yes. like, those two were bad. Yeah. What would actually happen is Claire never finds someone and throws herself in her work and dies working or something like that. Or, despite all of her best efforts, Operation Outreach is closed down and then she's out on the streets and there's nowhere for her to go. Yeah, sure. That's what I would have done. Much better than her losing her moral way. Makes no sense. So anyway, the third one is... It's a funeral with only no one at, and then his brother walks up and he's like, what? But that's my brother's corpse, I assumed. Whose corpse could it be then if only my brother's there and his girlfriend? It's his. Yeah. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Frank Cross. And another reason why I don't think this works is it's not that he dies that is scary to him. In the original, it is you see a bunch of scenes of people who don't care about this guy dead and are profiting off of his death. Yes, that's what I was going to say. People being like, I'm glad this loser's dead because I got stuff out of it. Yes, so like in the original, we see like two people that Scrooge has lent money to are celebrating because it's like we have another month to make the payment. His maids and his servants are selling his stuff. He wasn't going to give them to anyone. And he's got no loved ones to give it to. Yeah. So like, it's all about like people who don't respect him and like nobody cares about his death. And like in the story, he asks the ghost, like, is there some tenderness connected to a death? Not to this death, but to a death. And that's when we see that Tiny Tim is dying. The fact that we just solemnly see Calvin in the asylum and the mom be like, oh, well, this is sad. It's weak. And he's just like, why are you showing me this? I can't do anything if I'm dead. And then he's suddenly in the box and they put the whole casket into a side wall of fire and it's apparently a cremation. And This is very expensive. That's all I can say. So anyway. He's alive! He's alive! But Bobcat still has a gun. And he kisses him. He's like, I love you, Bobcat Goldthwait. And then he kisses him. And Bobcat's like, what? I'm scared of him now. Yeah, Elliot's like, who are you? What's the sexual harassment? And then he's like, I'm going to hire you back. You're going to have a great job. Do you want my office? I blow raspberries on people's stomachs now without their consent. That's my thing. All right, we got to save the show. And we cut to the live airing. And Scrooge is like, hey, what day is it? I'm alive. And then Frank Cross is like, I'm catching that money for the goose, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna talk to you now, America. And Bobcat is holding the people in the booth hostage with his gun, and he is tied up Bryce Cummings. And he's like, we're gonna keep showing him. That was a bad impression, because I stopped trying. That's fair. Frank's just like, this is a frame from my brother. Look at him. Isn't he great? And it was the SS Minnow. Was... You're a dumb, dumb boy. It was the SS Minnow and everyone at his brother's apartment's like, what? how did he know? It's a wild addition that's yes. like... <laughs> mm, you're going to be thinking about this until you die. And then the network head, Ryan Lander's just like, what is going on there? And Elliot is just like, oh, Bryce did it. It's Bryce's fault. He says you suck and smell like feet. And he wants to make sure that Frank talks on the TV. He also thinks that you're attractive as a man because we have to have a gay oh, joke. they did do that. And then the executive guy gets mad and he kicks the cat in his house. So we have a cat violence joke. And then the standards and practices lady sees Bryce tied up under mistletoe and's like, mm, I'm going to assault this man. So we And have... then we cut back to Frank and he's like, Claire, remember the Kama Sutra? I want to have sex with you in front of a bunch of people. So Claire is going to show up at the studio. So she leaves as fast as possible. She's like, Frank Lumpy, he's saying nice things. Yeah, I have to go to him. And she goes out and who's there to help her? The ghost of Christmas past. And she's like, can you go to the IVC building? And he goes, what floor? Which I love. She was probably just like, what? The first floor? (laughs) The entrance? Yeah. What are you talking? Okay. What a weirdo. And then my next note is, I take no notes during the speech because I am so invested. I am not invested, Megan. I do not like this speech. And I have a secret for you, Megan. Okay. Improvised. How are you not invested? Like, you can tell that's off his dome. 
I'm not invested because it doesn't sound like he cares about the actual things he's saying. He says it kind of wackadoo. Yeah, that's the reason why. Because it sounds like he's off his rocker. That's why it gets... Here's my thing, though. (laughs) I kind of find it weird that an old man who's a miser, a terrible, terrible man, is visited by ghosts, sees his childhood, all that he's loved and lost, and his own death, and is then like, Oh, good morning. I would like to buy a goose. I am quite normal. Yeah, but the difference is, Megan, that that was written ahead of time <laughs> to be a, an appropriate amount of weird and not well, just no, no, Bill no. Murray. I'm saying that's too normal. There's not enough weird. What I'm saying is, oh, you want it I more want weird. more weird. Okay, if I, I woke up from the night that Ebenezer Scrooge has, I'd be like, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Do you want a goose? It would be much more wackadoo than Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Anyway, I don't like it. It was improvised after Bill Murray had done it and they yelled cut. One of the screenwriters said, what the hell was that? And then the director punched him in the arm. And also, just so you know, Bill Murray said he did not like working on this movie. He thought that the script was good, but then the director, Richard Donner, always pushed him to be louder and bigger. And Bill Murray's like, I think he didn't understand what comedy was. And then the director was just like, yeah, Bill was hard to work with, just a little bit difficult, like all actors are. (laughs) And so it was like they... They're both just like... They're the wrong one. Also, the screenwriters didn't like how much Bill Murray improvised because a lot of his stuff is like improvised comedy, but that's just kind of Bill Murray's style. But they're like, we spent hours writing this. Could you say the words we wrote? A lot of people view the script of Scrooge as one of those really good scripts that you actually don't see on the screen. They cut it a lot. That's why the movie's only an hour and 10 minutes long which is a benefit for me. I like things being short. But also, like, I'm sure that there are swaths and swaths of pages that were left on the cutting room floor. It's just interesting. Anyway, he's like, anything else, small child? And Calvin comes up and he's like, God bless us, everyone. You gotta say it. And everyone goes, oh my God, and we're all so sad, Calvin. Yeah, because I also, I also don't think it works because what Tiny Tim is supposed to be is if he had the means, he wouldn't be ill because he could get the medical attention he needs, not he magically he, he can just talk sloths now. off his disability. Didn't cost anything. Magic of Christmas, a Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle. And then he looks off in the audience and all the ghosts are there and the dead guy who froze to death is there and they're all like, yay, good job. He had to die. He had to die. That man had to die so this executive could be good. And then in what I have to assume was improv, Bill Murray looks at the camera and says, feed me, Seymour. Yes. And that's the end? Why does he say that? Oh, they also sing, put a little love in your heart. Yeah, that's fine. And he's like, the women sing now and the men. Yeah, it's like a weird, like, interacting with the theater. Yeah. That, I'm fine, whatever, do that. Feed Me Seymour broke me. Quick question. Yeah. Do you think Frank has his job tomorrow? Okay. He's like, I'm probably not going to have my job tomorrow. And Ryan Lander's like, you bet your butt you're not. But then... And then by the end, Rhinelander's dancing and he's happy. And I'm like, so is Frank still the president? Do we like him? He and Claire are together. What's going to happen? What's happened? Anyway, the movie ends. Feed me, Seymour. Why? Thoughts? Why do you say feed me, Seymour? Besides that? Uh, I really like this movie. The problems I have with it hit me really hard when I think about them a lot. Yeah. But if I just relax and watch this film, I'm like, look at that. Don't think about it. Just don't think about it. I like some of the changes that they make, and I dislike other changes they make. Some of the humor works for me. A lot of it is very dated, and I dislike it. I like when it's earnest and hate when it's cynical. So this is like a middle adaptation for me. I feel like it needs to be more earnest, but it does earn the points for when it is. I don't know. I have a what did Roger Ebert thought of this film. Go. He gave it one star. Well. (laughs) Scrooge is one of the most disquieting, unsettling films to come along in quite some time. 
It was obviously intended as a comedy, but there is little comic about it. (laughs) And indeed, the movie's overriding emotion seems to be pain and anger. The entire production seems to be in dire need of visits from the ghosts of Christmas. Wow. (laughs) Did not like the film. He thought Bill Murray's speech was manic and unsettling and not joyful and lighthearted. I feel bad for liking this film. <laughs> don't, Megan, don't feel bad for liking this film. It was also a part of your childhood. And also, it's got good parts in it and also parts that are funny. MVP. MVP? Ghost of Christmas Past. Ghost of Christmas Past? Yeah. Hell yeah, Megan. He's there. He does the best of the ghosts yes. in doing his job. <laughs> yes. And he helps out in the end. Yes, 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 MVP. yes, yes, yes. I agree. Also, his makeup's just spot on. Marquez, what would you rate Scrooged? I would rate Scrooged two ghosts that I liked out of four, being past and present. I don't really like Lou and the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. I thought you didn't even like present. You've sold me on Carol Kane. I sold you on Carol Kane? Okay. You sold me on we should beat up rich people in order for them to pay their employees more. Megan, what would you rate Scrooged? I would rate Scrooged three God bless us everyone's out of a four minute manic speech. Yeah. I hope everybody has merry happy holidays. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us online at Avant Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, you can support us on patreon.com slash Pod. Bloopers for this episode will be posted there next week. But until then, we will see you next Christmas Day! You boy in the street, when will we see you again? Well, sir, I'm not actually sure if it'll be Christmas exactly because it's, you know, whenever the episode would normally come out that's closest to Christmas. But let's just say anon! Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at avantbardpod.